Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us and welcome to our uh, News in Focus broadcast in the new year. Of course, our time is Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. We come to you each week at this time. Also, you can hear us uh, Wednesday afternoons at 1.30 and again it's Saturdays at 5 p.m. And please uh, tune in and tell a friend. We are also, the podcast is available on our website, and that's at ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, this week we're going to talk about the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and how it's going to be a little different this year after the fall of Roe v. Wade through the court's decision this last year, which, of course, we're all very appreciative of, as we've been working for decades for the fall of Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision But it also has opened up a whole new battlefield, and we're going to talk about that as well. My good friend Mark Harrington, he is the director of Created Equal, uh, uh, based here in Ohio, but they do work across the country. But we're going to be busy here in Ohio because it looks like we're going to face off against a ballot issue uh, that is going to roll, try to roll back the pro-life laws of this state either by two decades or take us all the way back to Roe if NARAL and Planned Parenthood have their way on the ballot. And they've already announced their intention to do just that in the fall of 2023 this year. So we got a lot of work uh, in front of us. And Mark, I think that's uh, a little strange to some people who thought, well, we don't need to march anymore. We don't need to uh, work anymore. Roe v. Wade's been overturned, but that's not the case, is it? Not at all, Chris. Uh, we all celebrated the uh, the fall of Roe v. Wade when the U.S. Supreme Court handed down the Dobbs decision, but it didn't take long for us to understand that we are in a new era now, and the pro-abortion uh, industry is not going to lay down and take it lightly. And so they were prepared to go to the uh, ballot already in, uh, you know, at the end of the year here. We saw that happen in the state of uh, Michigan, and we saw it in California and also in Vermont, where they passed measures to enshrine abortion in their state constitution. So uh, it's, it's, you know, the game has changed, if you will. The battle has changed. The landscape of the battle has changed. Uh, somewhat, and we now have this obstacle out of the way, which was Roe versus Wade, but uh, now we've got a whole new battle ahead of us. Indeed, we do. We're talking with Mark Harrington. He is the director of Created Equal. They are a pro-life organization that takes the message to the streets at colleges, universities, in front of abortion clinics, uh, and basically out on the crossroads of America to bring the life message through imagery of the um, victim uh, pictures of the unborn, of what the result of an abortion actually is. And as uh, as uh, grotesque at times these images are, it gets people talking, and it gets them to understand what abortion really is. So, uh, Mark, you know, again, the great work that you do and that your team and the young people that go across the country, and I know you're getting ready on another justice ride, uh, as you call them, and you're going to different states 
uh, with the team to be able to engage young people uh, where the abortion question is happening at colleges and universities as these young people, of course, are having relations and then uh, they're, they're considering whether you're going to keep the child or you're going to abort it. And so unfortunately, that's where the abortion mills uh, ply their trade is the youth of America at colleges and universities across America. But uh, with that said, in the, our quest for life and to uh, save the unborn uh, from the bu- brutality of abortion, uh, ending their life, uh, they don't have any rights currently in uh, American law. Now, we can argue in saying that the Constitution does afford the right of life in the womb. We believe that, but uh, yet in statute, we do not have federal law that would protect them uh, nationally across the, uh, the states in all 50 states. So now it's what uh, Dobbs' decision did. It struck down Roe, but it sent it back to the states, and now the battle is on. In Michigan, they were not prepared, and so they were the first line of battle. Tell us about what happened in Michigan. I, I dare say that a lot of people listening to this program are saying, well, what are you talking about? Well, there was the midterm election, but there was a ballot initiative that NARAL and Planned Parenthood, abortion interests, put on the, the ballot in Michigan. And folks, it's terrible. And it's now part of their constitution. This isn't just a, an easy law. They've actually passed a constitutional amendment in Michigan. Uh, Mark, tell us what happened there. Well, the pro-abortion forces were prepared to put on the ballot in Michigan uh, enshrining abortion up to the very moment of birth after the Dobbs decision was handed down. I think pro-lifers up there were caught off guard. In fact, we, you know, we, we were living, we weren't sure Roe was going to be overturned. I mean, it looked like that was going to happen when the uh, the Alito brief was leaked. But once it was, I mean, we were now, okay, we're on to stage two. Well, they were already moving on. I mean, the, the, the pro-abortion movement has been preparing for the overturning of Roe for, for many years. And so they were ahead of us there um, in raising money. And once they got the ballot language approved and on, on the ballot in November, uh, I just think we were too far behind the eight ball to defeat it. It went down 56 to 43 percent. Uh, could have been worse, I guess. We were outspent uh, $42 million to about $20 million in the state. Uh, and so now they they believe that this is the uh, template or the, the, the game plan going forward. And it looks as if they may be putting these types of measures on the ballot in at least 11 states coming either in 2023 or 2024. So we've got to prepare for that. In Michigan, now they've enshrined abortion into law, and it's wasn't it a constitutional amendment that they passed? Is that what it was? Yes. And now your yes. talk, so it's, it's part it's of the— constitution. up to the time of birth. And it also had other— uh, provisions in that bill as well. Uh, it was so bad, that ballot language, which talked about LGBTQ or uh, uh, transitioning uh, sexes. Uh, there, there's What else was in it? Well, basically, reproductive medicine, reproductive health care, all-encompassing language that would allow parents or, or, or shut out parents from decisions that even minors would make when it comes to reassignment surgeries and stuff. Oh my goodness! That so that it, it's the most extreme thing you could imagine. 
And I just don't think the Michigan electorate was fully informed. We got outspent. Like I say, the the media obviously was on the side of the pro-abortion industry. Uh, it's just we were behind the eight ball. And, and, you know, I think things are different in Ohio. You know, I know we're going to get to that, but I, I think we have a better shot at defeating it here if it does come. So Michigan was in a very extreme measure and it did pass mm-hmm. on the ballot uh, in November. It's terrible. The pro-lifers up there must be just in mourning as to what happened in their state, and uh, it's a terrible nightmare. We cannot allow that to happen here, ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening to News & Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. We're talking with Mark Harrington, director of Created Equal, a pro-life organization, and we're warning you that this is coming to Ohio. If you've not known, it has already been announced by NARAL, uh, the National Abortion Rights League, and Planned Parenthood, and others that they're going to align with, they're going to put it on the ballot here in Ohio. How bad it will be remains as to, to be seen as to how the language is actually scripted for the, the uh, ballot language, and they have to collect signatures, and they have to go through a process. State Attorney General Dave Yost, uh, who is pro-life, uh, will be reviewing that language, but his duties is not to block them from the ballot. Uh, but uh, a lot of times these things, they're turned back several times, regardless of what the ballot issue is, because of tweaking of language. It also has to go through the ballot board, and the ballot board will then vote whether it goes forward for the ballot. And then, And we're talking about, at that point, they're just collecting signatures, and then the timetable as this thing plays out. But they've already announced their intention, uh, whether it's going to be on the ballot in 2023 or 2024, uh, which is the presidential election. We do have a Senate race that year. Sherrod Brown is being challenged by a number of Republicans for uh, to get him out of Congress, as he is not with us on any of our issues. Uh, as pro-life, pro-family, uh, conservative evangelicals, he's not with us at all. And so we'd like to see another uh, conservative be elected to uh, the Senate from Ohio. Uh, J.D. Vance just won. Uh, election as Rob Rob Portman retired and J.D. Vance won. Uh, unfortunately, the Republicans are still behind the eight ball in, in the Senate because they only have 49 to the Democrats' 50. So we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, Mark, as we look at this, uh, what's your guess as to what they may do? Do you think they're going for 2023 or are they going for 2024? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, we're preparing for them to bring it in 2023, let's say. I mean, we are gearing up to fight this, and uh, there are a lot of groups that have joined in a coalition to begin to lay the plans to defeat this. Uh, we are. We believe that Ohio is a pro-life state. I think it's been reliably read in the last two uh, elections, whether it be the presidential election or even the midterm. Uh, and we also have the governor's office and the legislatures that uh, you know is, is protected by governors or by by Republicans. So it's a little different than Michigan. It doesn't mean uh, you know we're overconfident, but we're prepared to fight this I, as if it were coming in 2023. 
And we should. And folks, we're going to give you updates on this. And in fact, Mark, you're part of the Ohio Right to Life Coalition, uh, that uh, group of pro-life organizations, Right to Life Centers in uh, places like Cleveland and Cincinnati and Dayton and elsewhere in Toledo. They're, they're starting to do some forums around the state. And folks, stay tuned because there'll be forums here in Cleveland. Of course, the Bring America Back to Life conference that Cleveland Right to Life hosts is coming in March. But before that, we have this Friday, which is going to be the annual March for Life. And the uh, Tens of thousands will be coming to Washington, D.C. once again. But this time it's going to be different. They're not going to be marching to the state, uh, excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court, but to the U.S. Capitol because the decision is no longer in the court as they have struck down Roe v. Wade last June in a historic decision, the Dobbs decision. Now pro-lifers are looking to the members of Congress to move federal pro-life legislation. Your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, this year is very different. In fact, we're going in celebration of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Therefore, we're not uh, marching to the to the Supreme Court, as you say. But there's still a federal, uh, you know, there's still federal action that needs to be taken. That's why we're marching to the Congress. And we've already seen uh, Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, put forward a 15-week abortion ban. Of course, the other side. Is trying to, they say, enshrine Roe in federal law with what they call the Women's Health Protection Act. And basically, that's the most extreme measure you can imagine. That has failed up to, uh, up to date. But those are the two measures that are going to be. They're going to have the pro-abortion side and the pro-life side putting uh, legislation uh, into effect that uh, might uh, affect national uh battle on abortion. So we have to be prepared for that. Uh, and so, you know, everyone thinks it's just a state battle. Well, it's not, it's not entirely that. No, it's not. And so also when I was in Washington in December for the Senate Value Action Team meeting, uh, there was discussion with Susan B. Anthony List. Uh, their uh, director was talking about a heartbeat bill, a national heartbeat bill, that they were in favor of right. that now. So that was really good, and that was encouraging. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Ohio's heartbeat law, okay? We passed that. It took us yeah. something like eight, nine years to get it through the legislature. And then when uh, Dobbs was overturned, uh, our state attorney general, Dave Yost, to his credit, he went ahead and went to the court that day and had them take off the injunction of the heart, Ohio's heartbeat law. It went into immediate effect, and it did save lives. We have testimony across the state, at uh, pro-lifers that were at abortion centers out front that were praying and seeing women come out and actually talk to them and saying they're closed down today, they can't do anything. And you know what? I didn't want to do this anyways. I'd like to talk to you people. I mean, Mark, it was wonderful. And yet, down there in Hamilton County, one of the uh, Democrat judges found a way to go ahead and put an injunction again on Ohio's heartbeat law. And then uh, then it was a question of the Ohio Supreme Court. Well, you couldn't trust Maureen O'Connor. She had started working with the Democrats on the court. And so uh, we didn't risk risk that. We waited till the election. And folks, I want to congratulate you. Went out there and you voted for all three conservative pro-life Republican justices, uh, giving us a majority on the court. And now uh, State Attorney General, I'm um, excuse me, yes, uh, uh, Dave Yost has appealed uh, that decision in Hamilton County uh, to the state Supreme Court. So it is now waiting to see uh, the court take it up 
and hopefully uphold Ohio's heartbeat law, putting it back into effect, and the abortion industry will be offline again in Ohio. That will be great news, Mark, won't it? It certainly will. I mean, we, we feel like we're uh, like on a yo-yo here because uh, the, the heartbeat bill is enforced for six months. Then, as you say, uh, there was an injunction against it, and now we're back to status quo, which is in the state of Ohio, the you, you can have an abortion all the way up to the 20th week of pregnancy. Uh, but we're hoping, as you can see with uh, what's happening with the attorney general, that this will go to the Supreme Court expeditiously and the law will be upheld. I'm, I'm, we're praying that that will happen in the first quarter, but if not by summer. And then we're back to, you know, for all intents and purposes, a six-week abortion ban in Ohio, uh, which is great news because we understand that uh, if that's put in effect for any, long, any period of time, a lot of these abortion mills will close. I mean, they just cannot... Uh, you know, they just don't have enough so-called customers, uh, so to speak, to, to remain open. And glory, so, hallelujah to that, my brother. <laughs> amen, amen. And, 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 um, there will be women crossing the borders, as we know, to Michigan and, and Pennsylvania. And there that will is, be women going to pregnancy services centers to actually have their babies as well in this state, and we're so thankful for that. And, you know... Uh, because there's women that really don't want to make this decision. And if they get that second chance, that second thought, that hesitation, it's like, you know, I really didn't want to do this. How many times have we heard that? So uh, on Friday is the March for Life in Washington, D.C. There will be tens of thousands. We don't know how big the numbers will be. Obviously, as you say, it's a celebratory uh, day of the defeat of uh, Roe v. Wade after decades of abortion on demand in this country. Now it's back to the states as people can listen to this program saying, wow, I thought that was over. No, uh, the devil never gives up. He's always out to destroy the innocent. Uh, We can see that throughout the Testaments with the uh, pagan worship in the Old Testament and uh, people offering their children on pagan idols, and then also with Herod seeking the baby Jesus in Bethlehem and had all the children in Bethlehem up to two years of age destroyed. Uh, the enemy is always seeking to destroy the innocents. So folks, the, the, the struggle for life, the battle for life continues and never give up. Uh, because our enemy doesn't give up. And, you know, God is on our side, and we are winning this fight uh, with his help. And so also there's some local right-to-life marches as well. So some of the folks are going to do some things locally. So uh, uh, March for Life, the 21st, this Saturday in Akron. You want to go to uh, Northeast Ohio Right-to-Life website or just look up Akron Right-to-Life. You'll see that their uh, marches. Uh, let's see, I think it's on noon on Saturday. Look up all the details there. That's this Saturday. They're doing a March for Life. Cleveland just had one. Uh, Cincinnati is doing one. So there's some local ones going on, but the big march in Washington is on Friday. So tell us uh, some of the details of that one, Mark. Your group will be along the parade march, and tell us what Create, Created Equal will be doing with the big jumbotron with the imagery around, uh, along the route. Right, so this is the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and it's the last that we will ever march, from from my perspective, I hope. In fact, I think we ought to start marching on June 24th, which is when the Dobbs decision was handed down. That's not my decision to make. 
But as long as there are marchers in Washington, we will be there to educate them because there are a lot of people that come to the March for Life, uh, and I'm not saying for the wrong reasons, but often they don't understand the real victim, and the victim needs to be seen to be understood. And so where large crowds gather, whether it's a March for Life or a pro-abortion march or a uh, you know, some sporting event, we educate people about abortion using abortion victim photography and video, and we'll do that at the March for Life again as they come by our Jumbotron on Constitution Avenue. I saw two ladies when we had the March for Life here last fall before the election in Columbus. They had a great crowd there, by the way, that uh, had a pro-life uh, march there. And I saw women come up and say, your imagery is what changed my mind on abortion. It took that mm-hmm. to change my mind, and I saw the brutality of the unborn and what abortion actually is. So it's very powerful tool. Again, we're talking with Mark Harrington, the president of Created Equal. Mark, how can people follow Created Equal and see the work that you do? Yeah, so go to uh, createdequal.org. That's createdequal.org. And if there's a young person and listen to the sound of our voice, we send uh, our people on a justice ride that'll start in March to the state of Florida to conduct outreach on college campuses. Uh, that's our annual premier training and outreach event. So it's a great event for people to get involved in the movement. Wonderful. Well, God bless you, my friend. And, um, uh, you know, give us a report of what happens in Washington on Friday. We'll just be praying for everybody and. Uh, We just are celebrating together the fall of Roe, but we've got a lot of work to do in front of us. I will be having you back on the program as undoubtedly the Planned Parenthood and NARAL will be coming to the ballot, whether it's in this fall or the fall thereafter, and we're going to need to be ready to defeat it on the ballot so we can protect the unborn in this state. Praise God, uh, Chris. Roe is dead. Roe is dead. I know Roe is dead because I was at the Supreme Court three days after It was dead, and believe me, Roe has not risen from the dead either. Only our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ did that. Amen, brother. Thank you for coming on the program again. Mark Carrington of Created Equal, and God bless you, and God guide your steps and the team as you go to Washington for the annual March for Life. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and of course there's other local uh, Right to Life uh, marches this weekend, again, the one in Akron, and you want to go to Northeast Ohio Right to Life, and they're having a march in downtown Akron. Cleveland had theirs last uh, uh, week, and so just whatever you can to spread the message of the pro-life message uh, this week is important to do that. Well, stay with us on the other side. We're going to talk about the state house battle for the speakership, and uh, that continues as we're a little bit in uh, uh, a fog as to what direction the Republicans are going to go uh, in the Ohio House, and you really can't get anything done. One uh, chamber is all set to go with Senator Matt Huffman, the Senate president, and but they're waiting for the Ohio House to figure things out. Is uh, one small. A group of 22 Republicans voted with the Democrats to elect a speaker uh, to 10 days ago, and there's been no activity as of late uh, as far as committee assignments and chairman's assignments, and it's kind of silence from Columbus, but we're going to talk about that in the next segment, so don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages.
In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helped shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Johnette Cruz and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue the following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to give you a very important State House update of what has taken place at the Ohio State House this last week. Of course, they're starting the new General Assembly, and one of the first things to uh, conduct is a vote for Speaker. Uh, the Ohio voters actually voted in 67 of the 100 House members, 67 Republicans. So they were coming in in a supermajority, and uh, there was only 32 Democrats in the Ohio House that were elected across the state in the 2022 midterm elections. But you wouldn't know it for what uh, happened last week in the Ohio House as a group of 22 uh, Republicans joined with Democrats to elect a uh, speaker, and it is actually a moderate Republican, Jason Stevens, and uh, to the shock of many. In fact, what happened earlier in November and December, the caucus, the Republican caucus, who had already won the election of 67 seats, they chose Derek Marin, who a conservative uh, from the Toledo area, to be the new speaker. And uh, he won the, the caucus vote, so it was uh, basically to be a vote in January, once they're all sworn in for speaker. But here comes this betrayal of 22 Republicans to join with 32 Democrats to elect 
for all intents and purposes, a Democrat speaker. You have to argue that that's the case, as more Democrats uh, voted with uh, for the speaker than Republicans. So what happened to the other 45? They were sitting there stunned. And so I want to read to you a statement that the Ohio Christian Alliance put out on the election of the speaker's race. And here it is. Representative Jason Stevens was elected by more Democrats than Republicans. 32 Democrats voted for Stevens for Speaker, and only 22 renegade Republicans voted for him in a betrayal of the Ohio House Republican Caucus, December vote which elected Representative Derek Marin for Speaker of the Ohio House. 22 Republicans who pledged their support for Derek Marin in December changed their votes on Tuesday and voted for Jason Stevens, joining the entire Democratic caucus. Derek Marin lost the vote by a measure of 43 to 54. The Republican caucus was shocked by the betrayal of the 22 Republicans who joined the Democrats to elect Jason Stevens as Speaker. This is truly now a House divided. The conservatives have been spurned once too many times and now have been betrayed when it was their time to take leadership. What Representative Stevens guaranteed Democrat Allison Russo, minority leader, and the Democrats is unknown. What is known is that the Democrats wanted favorable districts in the map redraw, no additional restrictions on abortion, and the tabling of the 60% threshold for a constitutional amendment formerly known as HJR 6 in the last General Assembly. The reason for the Democrats want to stop the 60% threshold constitutional amendment is that they want to clear the path for a fall ballot initiative constitutional amendment that will legalize abortion on demand in Ohio. Taking Taking us back to Roe v. Wade, even abolishing Ohio's ban on partial birth abortion. Pro-life Ohioans are beginning to awaken to the real threat of a constitutional amendment on the ballot in Ohio that will heavily uh, be funded by pro-abortion groups such as NARAL and Planned Parenthood, pouring millions of dollars into campaign ads to pass a simple majority constitutional amendment that would put Ohio right back to where we were initially under Roe v. Wade. Without question, Representative Stevens made an agreement with the Democrats to secure the 32 votes. To think otherwise is to be completely naive. What conservatives understand is that their agenda is now dead on arrival. Any meaningful pro-life legislation is now dead. Educational choice legislation is now dead. Protecting women's sports legislation is now dead. Protecting our children from the transgender agenda in public schools is now dead. Any meaningful pro-life, pro-family legislation is dead with this speaker, who was elected by a majority of Democrats. For all intents and purposes, the Ohio House that has 67 Republicans is now ruled by a Democrat speaker. After this unprecedented betrayal, how long will it take for a vote of no confidence to be formulated? 50 votes are needed. Any meaningful conservative legislation will now need a discharge petition effort of 50 votes to put it directly on the floor. Without this, we are looking at a two years of a raucous caucus and gridlock for the next two years. This is not what Ohioans voted for. They did not vote to capitulate to the political left. There are some things worth fighting for, and now it appears 
that a fight is underway for who will govern Ohio, the political left by proxy or a of a compromised speaker or the Republican majority that was elected in November. That is our statement from the Ohio Christian Alliance concerning the speaker's race and the vote last week. And I got to tell you, lots of people are shocked by what happened. And uh, we're told that tomorrow on Wednesday, the 45 uh, Republicans that, are, that hung together to vote for a conservative Republican, they're going to caucus tomorrow without the speaker and without those other 22, and certainly without the Democrats. And they're going to consider what they need to do to go forward. Well, this has put everything on hold. You can imagine over there in the state Senate uh, with Matt Huffman as Senate president waiting uh, for the House to uh, become organized, which no committee chairs have been filled at this point. Uh, no committee assignments have been given. And uh, they're not really, the 45 are not really at this point really willing to work with Stevens and the 22 who basically fostered this betrayal. Let's go re to a report from the Ohio News Bureau and Karen Kassler. And let's listen to this report. The controversial proposal to require a 60% majority of voters to approve some future amendments to Ohio's Constitution did not pass in the lame duck session last month. But it's not dead yet, though the deadline to pass it and put it before voters this spring is fast approaching. Senate President Matt Huffman says he doesn't think his fellow Republicans in the House have the votes to pass the resolution requiring 60 percent of voters approve all amendments proposed by citizens groups. But those proposed by state lawmakers would still need a simple majority of voters. But Huffman says if it gets to his chamber. I think we would have the votes in the Senate to do that uh, and I would support it. Newly elected House Speaker Jason Stevens says he'll have to look at that proposal, which would have to pass by February 1st to go before voters in May. In case a vote is needed, Huffman has set a session on the morning of January 31st, which he notes is the same day as Governor Mike DeWine's State of the State address, though that has not been announced by DeWine's office. Karen Kassler at the Ohio Public Radio Statehouse News Bureau. What she's talking about is the constitutional amendment process here in Ohio that currently uh, if you have enough signatures, you can go to the ballot on a constitutional mem um, uh, measure, and a simple majority will pass it into law. Uh, this last November, we voted on a couple. One was about uh, setting bail uh, for condition of release or setting bail for criminals. Uh, the public safety must be taken into consideration because earlier, uh, the Maureen O'Connor court uh, basically she was the renegade Republican that joined the Democrats, uh, had a terrible decision a year ago where they said that local judges uh, did not have to take in the safety, uh, the, the, the public safety in consideration of a violent criminal's history in setting bail. Well, that's just ridiculous. If somebody's violent, has violent tendencies, uh, that should be considered. That's where the court system keeps these people and safeguards the public until a trial uh, can be heard uh, and the process can be carried out. Uh, so that was something that passed by large margin in November. The other one was that illegals uh, cannot, uh, non-citizens cannot vote in Ohio elections. You say, well, that's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, except there was a community in Ohio uh, down there in the Dayton area. Uh, I think it was Yellow Creek, Ohio. They basically, their city council passed that non-citizens could vote in, in their uh, municipal uh, elections. Well, Secretary of State 
uh, put an end to that and said, no, you can't. And then the measure was put on the ballot. This is going to be a big deal. We have millions of illegals flooding into this nation over the southern border because of what uh, basically, I was going to say Barack Obama, but it was uh, Joe Biden. You wonder who's really in charge there. But uh, Joe Biden is letting them come in by the hundreds of thousands. And actually, last year, uh, it was in the million, early before that, the year before that, the first year in 2020, uh, it was 2 million, uh, 2021. And last year was another 2 million. Millions are pouring in over the border. We don't know who these people are. There's security risk. There's increased violent crimes. There's drugs. Uh, the addiction of drugs, fentanyl, uh, is pouring in over the border. It's killing our youth. Uh, so this is the problem that we have. And to say that illegals then coming into our communities can vote, well, that's ridiculous. And that's why we passed that here in Ohio. By the way, in the District of Columbia, their city council voted that illegals or non-citizens, excuse me, could vote in their election. So this is a growing problem on the political left. We're going to have to put the end to that. It's constitutionally, you have to be a U.S. citizen to vote in our elections. That's how it is. So this is very important, and this is just ridiculous to what we see right now. But again, back to what we just heard in the 60% threshold. This would raise it to, it, you have to have at least 60% uh, to uh, pass a measure of a constitutional amendment, changing the Ohio Constitution on our ballot. And so... We need to get that done to safeguard Ohio's heartbeat law. And I'm going to give you some an update on that, by the way. Remember um, last fall where there was uh, basically a Hamilton County judge put an injunction uh, on the Ohio heartbeat law. And it hasn't been in effect since last fall. But State Attorney General Dave Yost just filed to appeal it to the state Supreme Court. And I got to tell you some great news today. The Justice Kennedy Court was uh, convened today for the first time. So they came out at 9 o'clock this morning. And no more Maureen O'Connor. She's gone. And uh, so uh, Justice uh, Sharon Kennedy is the new Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. And the Republicans do uh, hold control of the state Supreme Court. So the Ohio's heartbeat law has been appealed to the state Supreme Court. And this is what the Hannah News article says concerning Attorney General Dave Yost's appeal. It says this, in his appeal of preliminary injunction against heartbeat, abortion ban, uh, that's the SB 23, formerly State Senator Christina Rogner got that through in the 133 uh, General Assembly, which was issued by the Hamilton County Court of Common Pleas and upheld by the First District Court of Appeals. Attorney General Dave Yost asked the Ohio Supreme Court to clarify that the state can immediately appeal such an orders, and in the interest of resolving the important merits issues presented the court, should also grant review to decide whether there is a right of abortion, and if there is, whether abortion providers rather than women seeking abortions may sue to enforce it. Yost wrote in the filing. So, again, the heartbeat law is to save the unborn when a heartbeat is detected. Uh, once uh, the Dobbs decision came down, uh, he appealed, got it out of federal injunction. The federal judge released the injunction on Ohio's heartbeat law. It became in effect during the spring and summer, actually saved lots of lives in this state. Then the political left found a favorable judge in Hamilton County, put an injunction on it, and now it's being appealed by State Attorney General Dave Yost, who won re-election for the next four years, a pro-life attorney general, 
and he's appealed it to the state Supreme Court, which where we should get a favorable decision. But we'll keep you posted on that. But we're going to take a quick break right now, and then I'm going to go back to the Ohio House speaker vote with Jason Stevens and how he's a man on an island alone right now with the 22 renegades, and they're getting pummeled by their district. And I'm going to read to you a rebuke that came to them, a censure motion by the Ohio Republican Party on Friday when they elected their new Ohio Republican chairman, and uh, they passed a resolution really rebuking the 22 Republicans that joined with the Democrats to elect this guy. This is unbelievable. You're listening to News in Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. We come to you each week at this time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side. Don't go away. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue And I want to read to you uh, the statement by the Ohio Republican Party as they passed a resolution last Friday. Uh, They met for their annual meeting to elect their new chairman, and he was elected. And then they went ahead with a, uh, a resolution, a motion for resolution to basically to censure the 22 Republicans that joined the Democrats, the majority of Democrats, 32 Democrats, 22 Republicans, voted for this guy, Steve Stevens, to be the next Speaker of the Ohio House, and it is now a House divided. But, in fact, we saw the little clip. We may even make that available on our website where, uh, in fact, uh, check that out. When you go to our website, we'll have a little video there. Uh, one of the Central Committee members stands up, and he gives a sermon, man. He's on fire, and he's talking about he's a Christian man, obviously, and this brother just goes to town. And uh, got the got them all riled up, and that's why they probably passed this thing. This guy really got it going in the state central committee. We'll have that on our website, that video. 
uh, check that out. Again, that's at the Ohio Christian Alliance website, or just go ohioca.org. But uh, let's uh, also the full statement that we made about the, the speaker vote and how Derek Marin, the conservative Christian, was betrayed. And by the way, I'm going to read this first by what the Ohio Republican Party did. Then I'm going to share with you what Cleveland.com reported in an interview with Derek Marin, who is a Christian, raised in a Baptist Christian home. His father was dying in December, was in a hospice, and that's when this betrayal took place. So, folks, it's really bad, and it's this is the worst that politics gets. And as the Ohio Christian Alliance, we're a public policy organization. We're going to give you the truth that comes out of Columbus and in Washington so that you can better pray and really seek the face of God, that we pray for those men and women in service in public office, and basically get rid of the bad apples uh, when needed during elections. We'll give you the information. We don't endorse candidates, uh, but we will tell you the information, and then you make the decision. But let me read this statement to you. So the Ohio Republican Party rebukes the 22 renegade Republicans who voted with the 32 Democrats to elect moderate Jason Jason Stevens as the Speaker of the Ohio House. So here's what they said. Um, A group of GOP lawmakers band together with the Democrats earlier this week to elect State Representative Jason Stevens uh, of and as speaker, the the move turned what was supposed to be a routine vote into a shakeup, as the House Republicans had previously chosen Rep. Derek Marin of Monclova Township for the role. The GOP State Central Committee passed a resolution after electing Hamilton County Republican Chairman uh, Alex Trianafalo as the new state chairman. The resolution states in part that the vote dishonors the party and empowers the House Democrats. So, again, this was a rebuke by the Republican Party on the 22 Republicans who voted for Stevens. So this is big. This is a big deal, actually, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about it. But then let's go to the Cleveland.com article, and this is important because Derek Marin was raised in a Christian home. He was raised by a Baptist pastor father. And in December, his father was very ill, and he was in hospice. He ended up dying on December the 29th. And I want to read to you this report of an interview in Cleveland.com, because I think this has bearing on it. Remember, Derek was elected by the caucus uh, to uh, be the next speaker, and that is always honored. The, the, The party majority, which had 67 seats, he won the caucus vote in uh, uh, November, December, and it was just to be uh, carried out in January, but that's not what happened. So this is what uh, Derek Marin said. He said, Ohio Derek Marin, Jason Stevens used my father's death to become Ohio Speaker. State Representative Derek Marin accused State Representative Jason Stevens and his supporters of stepping up their efforts to stop him from becoming Ohio House Speaker while he was in hospice, while he was dying with his dying father. In an interview, In an interview with the Cleveland.com, The Plain Dealer, Marin, a Toledo-area Republican, also said he tried to reach out to Stevens and his fellow Republican supporters, only to get a noncommittal response. He also said he held discussions with House Democrats and agreed to many of their requests, though Democrats ended up uniting with Stevens, GOP allies, to elect Stevens as Speaker uh, last Tuesday. There had been rumbling since uh, since Marin won a House GOP caucus vote in November, that Stevens would buck tradition and continue to fight to become Speaker. 
But Marin and Stevens and his allies ramped up their efforts when they found out that Marin's father, Russell Marin, was in hospice. Russell Marin, a Baptist pastor, died on December the 29th. That's when the foot went on the gas pedal, went into play, Marin said. When Marin was asked how he felt about that, he replied, how do you think I feel? Marin said that while uh, I was at hospice, he made 40 to 50 phone calls trying to put the rebellion down, as well as trying to hire new house staffers. Excuse me. Stevens ended up getting only 22 GOP votes on Tuesday, nine votes less than he got in the House GOP caucus vote. However, Stevens won after all 32 House Democrats voted for him. And this is, uh, again, a release that we put out, but this was in Cleveland.com. So there you have it. Uh, You have Stevens and his people working behind the scenes while Derek Marin was with his father in hospice, who was dying, uh, and ended up dying on December the 29th, working this betrayal with the Democrats to elect Stevens instead of Marin. I tell you, folks, this is as bad as it gets. And so, you know, look, we pray for these people, but, you know, when this kind of stuff goes on, and by the way, the reports are that big lobbying groups were vying for this power as well and persuading votes. So a lot of lobbying money was being poured into this and being offered to these people to switch their votes. And so what was Derek Marin going to do? Well, he was going to work on passing the backpack bill. What is that? Well, that's school choice. That means that the money would follow the child in whatever school that you would choose. It would give so many students the option to get out of failing public schools. Well, the Public School uh, Teachers Association and the Ohio Education Association, big lobbying group, they didn't want that, of course. So they're pouring in money and interest. Uh, Then uh, Derek Marin was going to have hearings on saving women's sports. You know, these transgenders who enter into uh, women's sports in the elementary school level, and these girls are denied their opportunity and their athletic, uh, uh, you know, progress by boys who feigned to be girls and then enter sports. He was going to advance that bill, which would have banned that practice here in Ohio. That's off the table now. Then you have additional restrictions on abortion to save the unborn. Uh, Many pro-life measures were going to be introduced. Those are off the table now. So it's unknown just how bad this is going to get, folks. But again, at the Ohio Christian Alliance, we're going to give you the information that you need. So visit our website. That's the Ohio Christian Alliance. That's OhioCA.org. We'll have that video up of that impassioned speech by the one central committee member who basically said, we've got to pass a resolution rebuking these folks, in which they did. And that's kind of a big deal. The party itself rebuked these 22 Republicans. And it's not the end of it. There's going to be a lot more that you're going to hear in the coming weeks. And we'll keep you posted. Keep visiting our website. If you're not signed up to our email list, Please do so uh, by going to our website, Ohio Christian Alliance, and clicking on the uh, sign up to our email list. That's a way that you'll get our emails in a timely manner, and we'll hope that you'll do that. Uh, That's on the right side of the page. Join our email list. And then, of course, to support this program, uh, make a contribution today uh, at the Ohio Christian Alliance. Just click on the the donate page and uh, make a contribution. We'd appreciate that.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.